0: Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo Welcome to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. I'm Chris Graham, and uh, we'll chat with Jerry here about, gosh, all kinds of stuff in UVA sports, mostly basketball this week, not a lot of football news. Um, but um, and maybe I'll, I'll start, Jerry, with this. I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, UVA fans are probably – uh, feeling edgy because uh, the Cavaliers have, have lost a couple of late uh, this week, the loss to Pitt, um, the, the loss a couple weeks ago to Miami. Um, you look up and down the ACC last night, Miami loses to Georgia Tech, uh, at Georgia Tech, Duke loses at NC State, Pitt, the team that beat Virginia this week, also beat North Carolina last week. It's like upside is right. Uh, upside is right. Uh, you, know, you know, dogs and cats are sleeping together. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> it's just crazy how the ACC. We thought we knew where things were going to go uh, um, before the season started. After the first couple of months of, of non-conference play, and now it's all—it's—it's uh, it's all up in the air.
1: Yeah, Clemson beat Blacks in one in Blacksburg oh, yeah. last night. Um, and if you look, Pitt and Clemson are tied. At the top of the ACC undefeated in the league. Yeah. Who would have guessed that a month ago? Who had that one right? <laughs> um, but you're right, and everything is topsy-turvy. And I think it just goes to show that how unpredictable this league is going to be the rest of the season, Chris. I, there's doesn't seem to be any nights off. I mean, you said it. Virginia went down to Atlanta and just pecked Georgia Tech to death. I mean, just made them look terrible and then tech turns around and beats Miami no rhyme or reason to any of that and um I just think there's not going to be many nights off in this league this year
0: of all those upsets the only one that uh was uh on the road is the one you mentioned Clemson winning at Virginia Tech who's now lost three in a row after you know the Hokies had gotten in the top 25 for one week earlier uh back, back last month so um, so, putting our attention on Virginia, then the loss at Pitt. Um, Virginia led that one by thirteen at one point in the first half. It was ten at halftime. Got it back up to 12, four minutes into the second half, and then Pitt. Well, well one Virginia went through a uh, extended scoring drought, and and also couldn't get a stop in the second half. And uh, very uncharacteristic to see. Uh, Pitt scored forty five points in the second half, uh, and Tony Bennett was none too pleased afterwards.
1: No, um. He doesn't curse, but if uh, if he did he I'm sure he would have had plenty of words for that loss because of of just the way they lost uh giving up forty five points to him is one of the biggest cardinal sins of the back line defense that you can commit and um you know they just didn't you know a lot of people blame it on not having a rim protector there at the end but uh, you know they could have had Jabbar back there and it would have made a whole lot of difference because they shouldn't have been getting to the rim in the first place and that's where everything broke down Is Virginia just couldn't stop them from driving straight line drives to the basket something that Jeff Capel saw on film and felt like that was part of his game plan coming in. They felt like they could drive the ball on Virginia, and they certainly did. They, they beat uh, Virginia not only down the floor several times, but spread them out and and drove to the basket on them. And uh, you know, Shedrick, you know, even had he been in there during that uh, that eight minute stretch where they couldn't seem to stop him, but. Uh, you know, there's only so much he could have done if he had been in the game. And Kafaro was out with uh, – his foot was in a boot. So, you know, they were uh, shorthanded as far as rim protectors go and physicality in that, in that respect. But um, giving up 45 points in one half. I mean, we how many times have we said it and, and watched Virginia not give up 45 for an entire game, let alone in 20 minutes? And uh, that that nineteen to three run was almost unbelievable. Virginia was up forty four to thirty two, and at the end of it, uh, Pitt had taken a lead fifty one to forty seven, and Virginia just couldn't seem to get anything to, going. And uh, they did to have that mysterious. And and they seem to continue to have these mysterious scoring droughts. Chris, they, it's been going on for two or three years now where they just go four, five, six, seven minutes without a basket uh, or with limited baskets. And it, it's really hard to explain, it was, especially with as many potential scorers as they have on the floor.
0: It, uh, Tony talked about that after the game too. He said he thought that Pitt did a good job of adjusting. Virginia, I mean, was really running the offense well um, first 24 minutes of the game when they got that 44-32 lead. Um, and uh, he, he thought that Pitt did a great job switching on defense, uh, switching on screens. And that seems a simple simple thing, um, but they, that's what they did. I think Miami did the similar thing back in the win uh, down at Coral Gables a couple weeks yeah. ago. And... You know, um, so so there's that issue um, that, you know, Virginia's got to come up with a, a solution to when the offense uh, is being bogged down by that particular strategy, what to do. Uh, and then also, I mean, you know, it's not like Tony Bennett and his staff wouldn't have s- themselves seen through sc- self-scouting um, the issue that Jeff Capel mentioned. Hey, we see on tape that we can straight line drive on them. But hearing another coach say it out loud in a post game press conference, um, really makes it so that I'm sure a lot of attention is, is being put there by Tony and the coaching staff to try to rectify that situation.
1: Tony knows how to get his guys' attention in practice because if they're if they're not doing what he wants, uh, they can run, <laughs> <laughs> and there's no easier way to get people's attention than running. Uh, they can run you to death, and. So I'm sure these guys uh, are either paying attention or putting a whole lot of running in in practice uh, this week in preparation for Syracuse coming to town on Saturday. but um that's that's Tony's way of uh, sending a message and I'm sure that uh, as much as they spend uh, or devote time to practice on defense <clears throat> that it's probably multiplied. Uh, some this week in practice, and uh, they, they've just got to find some ways to shore things up there because uh, you, you, you can't, like Tony said, it doesn't matter what kind of offense or defense they're going up against. Uh, if Virginia doesn't play their style of defense and pay attention to the tenants that makes the pack line successful, it, it just doesn't matter because – he can throw anything out there and it's going to work. I'm just
0: thinking out loud here, but, you know, I'm thinking back to, God, I think it was the 2020-21 season when it was, maybe that was a season the Virginia lost early to San Francisco. and um, Yeah, I believe it was. I believe that was the second or third game of the season, and they had looked so good early that season. Um, and what San Francisco did so well in that particular game was spread the floor. They played five high and basically um, – uh dribble either dribble drive or backdoor cuts um by the guy by guys without the ball and you know it made me think why don't more teams do this to virginia because what virginia is what the pack line defense does so well it takes away the most basic play in basketball that everybody runs from ymca ball all the way up to the nba the pick and roll um they double the pick and roll they they, they make you swing it around Um, then they, you know, rush back, get to, get to the guy, uh, roll into the basket. So, um, if you want to run the pick and roll, great, it's just going to bog the offense down and there's a shot clock and it's going to take, it's going to make you force up a bunch of bad shots with, with less time. But if you, if you don't run pick and rolls, if you don't have guys in the post and and also the post to post double getting the ball out of the post. So those are the two best ways to score pick and rolls and then feeding the post. And they, in Virginia, that, that pack line defense takes away both of those, if, if you don't worry about having a guy on the post posting up and if you don't run pick and rolls what you know Virginia's got you know it, it, that's what makes it tough Caden Shedrick uh is, is off the floor because it could be not because he's you know not a good rim protector but because if Pitt's running five high he's got to guard somebody on the perimeter and is he is that his best uh, you know uh, attribute defensively probably not so um yeah, I, that, that's that's the thing to me. I, I don't see why more teams don't do what Pitt did in the second half. They didn't even do it in the first half uh, Tuesday night. But they, in the second half, they ran it so well. And, and that's going to be the challenge for Tony. If uh, if more teams say, hey, we can we can do what Pitt did, um, he's got to figure out a solution that, that makes them go back to more conventional offense.
1: Yeah, I, and I guarantee you that all the coaches in the ACC are paying attention to those two game plans that Miami and – pit through at him and coaches are the biggest copycats in the world. So they're gonna they're gonna figure it out pretty quickly. It'll be yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he comes up with. Um I don't know if Syracuse will do it or not, but uh because they have their own style of play. But uh it would certainly make sense if if they at least explored that avenue. But as as poorly as Virginia played, Chris, they still had a chance with one forty five to go that the game was tied at 60 on McNeely's three. And they just made some critical errors down the stretch. They, uh, uh Shedrick, Shedrick, was called by Ted Valentine on that, uh, illegal screen, moving screen. I, I'm still not sure that was a good call. And yeah, quote had,
0: unquote, moving screen wouldn't call, call that. <laughs> yeah.
1: And McNeely had made a three, uh, a second three right there, which would have put Virginia up 63 to 60 with about 111 to go. And then Pitt scored on the other end inside and gave him gave him a two-point lead. And then Virginia had a shot clock violation. And uh then on the other end of the floor it looked like Franklin made a good play knocking the ball off of uh Burton's leg, but they over overturned that call and gave the ball to Pitt. Uh and then, by that time it was uh less than thirty seconds left when Virginia was having to foul to try to uh get you know to stay to try to keep them from running away with it or 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 just holding the ball but uh it wasn't like they didn't have their chances; they had some ill fortune but uh you raised a good point I think in a in a story uh might have been today or yesterday uh. I thought the thing that was missing throughout the scoring drought and uh in the last several minutes of the game was there just wasn't enough Reese Beekman. Yeah. Yeah, Beekman
0: uh is a guy, uh, you know, the, this was the first loss of, of for Virginia this season where you can't attribute it to Reese wasn't healthy. Uh Reese, Reese is, he looks he looked a hundred percent uh Tuesday night. Um, you know, and, and I've been saying about Beekman since he, you know, basically is early in his first year at UVA and he's now a third year player that boy, he's an NBA talent. He's, you know, you look at him and, and he can do it all. Now he, he needed to work on his outside shot. He's done that. I think he's shooting 47.8% from three, which is just astounding for a guy who, you know, two years ago made nine threes all season long. Yeah. And, um, he hit a couple, uh, uh, you know, in the game, in the flow of the game, Tuesday night he banked the one in at the buzzer, um, but you know he he's he's consistently the guy when he gets the ball in rhythm he's making those threes which should then make it so that uh, you know defenders two years ago when he could only make he was only making nine you know three point shots you could sag off him hey I know he's not I dare him to shoot the ball basically you could say two years ago um, and so you would sag off him and, and that would that could neutralize his ability to get around you he's so good off the dribble. Um, well, now he's making the threes, but he's still tentative uh, with taking charge, so to speak. And you know, I, I pointed out in, in that column that you read that Kihei Clark has more shots at the rim this season than Reese Beekman does. And, and, you know, shots at the rim for a, for a point guard, and both those guys play point guard, are you know part of the indication of how much you're attacking the paint. Kihei also has more assists per game than than Reese does, so Kihei is is still the more aggressive of those two, attacking the paint either to set up teammates for shots or to uh, set up his own shot. And you know we all love Kihei for what he's done, but Reese Beekman is an NBA level talent, um, and and if he would show more of that, um, you would. I mean, he's shooting sixty two point three percent at the rim. He's 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 very he's a great finisher. Um, he just doesn't seem to have. I call it the Malcolm, the inner Malcolm Brogdon in him, Malcolm Brogdon at Virginia, you know, from first year to second year, he had that year off in between when he got, when he had the foot injury and had to miss his, his sophomore season, um, between that first year, when we saw the promise that he had, and then when he came back from the injury, he was a guy that would say, would say, and and often did say if a game needed to be taken over, taken over, he would, he would be the guy to take it over. Um, and You know Reese, if he could develop that skill about him, that mindset about him, um, he would be a different level. He he would be a Malcolm Brogdon level player.
1: And and I think that might be what's separating Virginia from being a good team to a great team right now is they don't have that guy to take over a game. Yeah, I I mean, who's going to do it? They don't. Kehe is probably as close to anybody they have, and far as far as taking over a game, but uh, even even he didn't do that at, at Pitt the other night. Um, in fact, uh, I think his last basket was with uh, over nine minutes to play. So <clears throat> a lot of times he'll at least get to the free throw line in those circumstances by, like you said, attacking the basket. But uh, – I think that's the one thing holding this team back is they don't have a a player willing to take the game up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I agree with you. I think Bigman would be the candidate I would select to, mm-hmm. to do that. It's like uh, Will Ferrell, you need more cowbell. Well, I think Virginia needs more Bigman. <laughs> more Bigman, yeah. I'm I'm thinking of that
0: game, and it, it was a loss for Virginia back in, like, 2015, I think it was, the, uh, the ACC tournament semifinal against North Carolina. And Virginia lost the game, but they were down, like, 20 late – you know, not late, midway through the second half, down 20 North Carolina. And and Brogdon scored 18 Virginia points in a row. I mean, you know, he, yeah. ju- he just – and hit, that was a talented team, a very deep and talented team, but Brogdon just said – and he got – Virginia lost by four. And they had a chance to actually tie it late after being down 22 a really good North Carolina team um yeah nobody it doesn't seem actually I shouldn't say nobody Kehe Clark's the guy who wants to be who who is willing to step up and be that guy um and and nothing against Kehe he's five pounds you know Reese is six three a couple you know a couple hundred pounds um, has all the athleticism in the world has the NBA front office is drooling over him um it, it, the only thing missing is just whether he'll you know he'll he'll turn that, that, that button off or, you know, see the light, the light bulb go off in his head and say, I've got to be the guy because he can be the guy. Um, I also wrote about Ben Vanderplass. Uh, and, you know, we, we either get, I said, I said this during the game the other night, uh, had a couple of people over watching the game with me. He, you can tell within a couple of minutes, he, either you're going to get the Vanderplass who can score 20, like he did against Miami a couple of weeks ago, or you can get the, the Vanderplas who scores zero. I said, um and and has two or three fouls and doesn't you know really do much other than that um it's either or there's no you know he averages right around eight points a game but you don't get eight points a game out of him you either get the really good vanderplass or the the very quiet vanderplass and we got the quiet vanderplass the other night probably not a coincidence that that was another loss for virginia
1: yeah and i that's the surprising thing about him with me i I thought we'd get a lot more consistency from him uh I thought he was akin to having a four- or five-star recruit because he had four years of college experience at a mid-major level and where he had been very successful. And uh, the kind of guy that would fit in well with a veteran team like this, and I I don't know, maybe he's having a hard time adjusting to a new team uh, or what his role might be. I'm not sure, but – yeah, the lack of consistency is, is really hurting this team from being all it can be. And uh, we said that Armand Franklin was going to be one key. His scoring was going to be a key for them to getting to where they want to be. And he, I think he has stepped it up of late. Uh, he's, he's done his job. They need the same thing out of Vanderplass. Uh, they don't necessarily need to get 16 or 20 out of him every night, but eight to 10 would be nice. Um, that's the difference in, in some of these close losses. Uh, just, you know, one guy having a, good, a decent night. And uh, between the fact that they don't have enough Beekman, uh, they don't have anybody other than Kihei willing to take over a game, and inconsistency from Vanderplus I mean – if those three areas are, uh, are not issues, then this team's probably undefeated. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: exactly. I, I, I can sense a, a, uh, headline, uh, upcoming on jerryratcliffe.com more Beekman, uh, <laughs> more Beekman. Um, no, but I, I looked, I, I looked through the uh, game logs for, for Vanderplass. Um, he's had four double digit games and six games where he scored three points or less. Um, that's the mark of inconsistency, unfortunately, for that young man. And I, I came in coming into the season after he, after he committed uh, to Virginia last year, I made the comparison, man, he could be our Brady manic, you know, the, yes. the the kid who transferred from Oklahoma, it, they're both similar size, p- power forwards who can stretch with the floor with their three-point shooting. And manic was the key for why Carolina got to the championship game last year. He still could be vendor still could be, maybe it's an adjustment issue. Um, You know, I I sense with with him, uh, you know, with the young man, a little bit of it's almost like, you you know, some guys can be this way. If he misses his first shot, it's almost like he gets he he gets a little antsy. He he doesn't want to pull the trigger. And um, where where that can't hurt the team and where it doesn't with Armand Franklin. And Tony Bennett said this about Armand after a recent game, that even when Armand wasn't scoring, he had a seven game stretch where he only averaged six points a game after the really big game against uh, Baylor earlier this season even then he still played defense he still did the things you know the little dirty work kind of things um when you look at the at least the counting stats for Vanderplass when he's having you know these games with two points or three points or no points um you know you also don't see rebounds from him you also you know you don't see steals from him you don't see anything other else positive from him in that respect he's playing good defense but yeah. um, you, you don't see the you don't see the results of that in, in the counting stats and so um you know, so you know it, it's it's hard to have a guy that you rely on, and they rely on Vanderploeg. That if he misses his first couple shots, he's going to be he's going to shut himself down that night, and he, you can't have that, and ha- especially at a key position, he's the sixth man for this team. You can't have a guy that you rely on that much, you know, being being that uh, that that much on the edge.
1: Yeah, and plus, you know, <clears throat> when they want to go small, they can put him actually at the number five spot and because he does play decent defense he's not a rim stopper by any stretch but he can play uh most uh, of a shorter lineup uh pretty solidly defensively <clears throat> but uh, yeah that's that's uh that's a sad fact about this season is when he's when he's off i mean he's really off <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they can't afford that. They can't afford for a uh, six guy to be off. And I wonder if that's going to open the door for more playing time for McNeely uh, as we head further into ACC play. Because um, McNeely seems to be making strides um, on both ends of the floor. I, th- I think he's been pretty solid on defense. And uh, his three pointer seems to be starting to come alive a little bit. And they've gotta they've gotta have that other scorer out there on the floor, whether it's him or or Vanderplas or or whatever, but they, they can't afford for that one spot to be kind of vacant.
0: McNeely's a guy that he, when he his misses are the most impressive misses. Like he yeah. when he misses a shot, he's not off to the left or off to the right, or he doesn't air ball. I mean, everything is right on, uh, you know, as a, as a guy who, you know, I, you know played basketball and, and was a, was a, whatever, I, whatever game I did in basketball I was a, I was an outside shooter. I mean, his shots, everything is like, you know, back rim. I mean, it's, you know, or, or front road, it's, it's straight on. It's there. It just misses. I mean, when he misses, he just misses. Um, he earned his playing time. I think with defense, he's, he's been getting consistent minutes since about the second week of the season, um, even though he wasn't, you know, consistently contributing offensively. Um, I kind of agree with Dan Bonner uh, noted this. I can't think of which broadcast it was. Maybe it was the Miami game a couple of weeks ago uh, where basically he, he, his thinking is, Hey, you're there because you're a great three point shooter too many times uh, when, you know, either Reese Beekman or Kia Clark drives a lane and kicks it out to, to McNeely for a three, his first instinct is to sort of pump fake and try to drive into the basket, you know, drive into the lane he's a three point shooter. He needs to, Dan's point was you got to catch the ball and be ready to shoot um, because that's what you're best at. Um, And, and only then, you know, maybe the second option is to, you know, pump fake and and try to get yourself in the lane. But um, because he is, he's, he's that good of a shooter. He just needs to have that shooter's mentality a little bit more. And maybe it's, it's, he's a freshman and he's trying to, you know, kind of earn the, earn, earn that trust of his teammates and that kind of thing. But man, kid, you got it. We know you can shoot the ball. To start doing it for us.
1: Maybe he needs to spend some more time with Kyle Guy <laughs> because <laughs> – There you go. I mean, that because that's exactly what his strength was. I mean, there was no hesitation. It was uh, – as soon as it hit his hands, it was one of the quickest releases in basketball. It was gone. And uh, I think it was Jim Laranega the other night that said uh, – I believe it was Jim Laranega that said, man, when anytime McNeely shoots the ball, if it didn't go in, I believed it was going in because it looked like it. And that's the way it was with Kyle Guy. If he missed, it was a shock to everybody, including him. And uh, McNeely needs to have more of that mentality, I think. And I think he will. I think it'll come. I, I think part of it, I agree with you. I think part of it's probably just because he's a freshman and he's trying to earn that trust. And and I think he has it now from his teammates and certainly has it from Tony. So I, I think that will just uh, get better as the season progresses. And we'll see the best come out of him uh, as his game develops, as the team develops. But uh, I'm not worried about him at all. I think, I think his game is going to come. I wonder uh, if we're going to see more of Dunn as a result of um Vanderplatz's inconsistencies too. I, I don't know what's holding him back. I don't know if it's defense or, or or what it might be. But uh certainly it's not athleticism. And and we'll uh it it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, how that develops in this, as we go down the stretch as well.
0: I, I was thinking about Kyle Guy. Kyle Guy never met a shot he didn't like.
1: No um, and, <laughs> and, 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 and continue like that. You shouldn't <laughs>
0: <laughs> bashful. He was not is not. He's, he's still playing in Europe now. Um, yeah. We maybe need to get the long line going. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, get, get him in touch in you know, a mentorship way uh, with uh, Reese Beekman. And then Kyle uh, get him in, in a little therapy session with uh, Isaac Neely. And that might help, help, help this team out. But yeah, uh, you know, I was thinking Jerry about what you just said with, um, with, with Uh, Dunn. uh you know, i um, just, this is, again, just is not well thought out. I have, it just popped in my head as you said that, you know, when Isaac Trout, uh, the, the decision was made to redshirt him this year, Tony Bennett made it clear that uh, that was going to be a month to month decision. And, um, you know, I think what the issue was is, is Trout had suffered some sort of an injury and was, was maybe not uh, at the beginning of the season, health wise ready to, to start. And, and so, Hey, we'll, we'll put the redshirt on him uh, so as not to waste a year, but, but if if we need him, he's he could be there and that kind of thing, you know. Not knowing anything and not having heard a word, just I'm just thinking out loud. You know, a guy like that, if he's looking good in practice, um, it wouldn't surprise me if if Vanderplas continues to struggle consistency-wise. That there might not be an option there to at least bring a talented young guy like like Trout in because Dunn certainly yes, Dunn uh, does steal minutes. He's been he's been stealing minutes from Francisco. Uh, Caffero for quite a while now. I mean, basically, ever since Francisco had to miss that game early in the season to play for Team Argentina, and Dunn got a lot of minutes against Monmouth. Uh, Dunn showed what he could do. He, he had a really nice game against uh, JMU back in December. Um, you know, a consistency kind of issue with him a little bit too, but you know, his potential is, is limitless, it seems. But, um, there, those are a couple potential answers, uh, for Vanderplas if Vanderplas doesn't sort of you know, you know, work towards more consistency.
1: That's a good point. I, I hadn't even thought about the, the trout, uh, option. Certainly they could take that red shirt off of him anytime they want. And, um, it would be interesting to know how he's doing in practice and which I imagine pretty well. I mean, he gives them another big body who can score and, um, yeah. That, I, wow. That's that's a good uh, good notion to th- to think about. If, if things continue to, uh, if he continues to struggle like that, and uh, talking about Vanderplas, uh, you would hope that him being a fifth year guy, that he would um, find a way to make himself a little more consistent. I, I don't know how how you do that, but it's got to be done in practice. I would guess. But uh, it's interesting to think that there might be another option out there if, if he can't find the right answers.
0: So that's the you – know, I was thinking this too, Jerry. We're saying all this, and it sounds like – I mean, we've been glooming and dooming for about a half hour here. This is a team that's 10-3. and three It's still and a good basketball team. <laughs> they, they lost They lost without their best player to 100% to the team that's going to be number one again this week in the polls after Purdue lost, Houston. Right. Um, the, a two-point loss to Miami, a ranked team. And Pitt's going to be ranked soon, and in both those losses on the road, and that loss is by three points. So, I mean, this team is a, a decently healthy Reese Beekman, and then a couple of breaks in those two losses on the road in the ACC, away from being unbeaten. And, and we're just we've been spending all this time breaking down all the problems. This is this is still a pretty good basketball team.
1: Oh, no question about it. And, and Pitt is not going to be an easy out for anybody in this league the rest of the way. I'm, 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 I am was kind of joking, making reference to uh, Jeff Capel going out like the old uh, Western movies with the, uh, the bad guy comes in from the East and buy, uh, buys a big ranch and wants all the other territories around it to the resistant ranchers. And so he just brings in a bunch of hired guns and they take care of the problem. Well, that's, that's essentially what he's done at Pittsburgh. He couldn't keep players there. They've had, five, six, eight guys leave the program over the last three or four years, uh, in mass. So this time he said, well, hell, you know, I'll just go out and get a new team. And he did, he's got four transfers from all over the country and they're good players and then they're physical and they're experienced and they're aggressive. And he's got a a good basketball team on his hands up there and they're going to be, uh, hard to deal with. And, uh, Tony, Tony was, you know, Tony didn't want to lose, but he was happy to see things working out for Capel because Capel does do things the right way. And there's a mutual admiration society there between those two coaches. And um, Jeff Capel himself said it after the game. He said, there's nobody in this game I respect more than Tony Bennett, and there's nothing easy about preparing for them in, in any facet of basketball. So he, he was uh, extremely uh, gratified to be able to get a win over Virginia and, and stop that eight-game losing streak they, they had to the Cavaliers. And um, But you're right. Uh, this is a good Virginia basketball team. There's no reason to reach for any panic buttons or anything. Um They can do themselves uh, some good Saturday when Syracuse comes down. I think Syracuse is ahead of them in the standings by a game. Uh, I think they just have one loss, three and one, I believe, in the ACC. And barely won a squeaker against Louisville the other night. Uh, I think that was in Syracuse, too, which uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, Virginia's... Played pretty well against Syracuse in recent years. And so, uh, the game here will be a big one for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, just to snap this one game losing streak and to, uh, make Tony Bennett, the all time winningest his coach in Virginia history. I, I had a long interview with Anna Holland this week. Um uh, be writing that tomorrow for, uh, her talking about Terry Holland's, uh, her husband's, uh, long bout with, uh, dementia and then Alzheimer's and, uh, how he, they family has dealt with that and the respect that he has for Tony Bennett and vice versa. Um, also Chris, uh, thanks to Jay James, uh, W I N a, uh, he dug up one of my old radio shows. I did the last interview with Terry Holland back in 2019. And, uh, I don't know whether to write a story with that or just run it uh, that interview on the uh, on the website so people can hear it. It's it a really uh, great interview with with Terry, um, with him talking about his career, and it was. Uh, you look back down back on it now, and with a lot of pride that uh, just to know him and and be able to talk to him before uh, he had the. Uh, the Alzheimer's issues and uh, uh, she told me that last year when uh, you know they used to sit in the end zone down there uh, across from the press section down on the first or second row and uh, she told me when they left the last uh, home game last year I guess that was again was that against Louisville I can't remember
0: we usually finish with Louisville so I would I will I will say yes yeah, Just, yeah.
1: But uh, she said, when they were walking out the door, he turned and, and looked there, and he said, "This this will be the last game I attend here," mm-hmm. and so he he knew that uh, that things were worsening for him, and uh, so it'll it'll be a heartfelt uh, story and and stuff, and I, I hope Virginia fans will um, embrace that. And uh, I know David Till did one already uh, last week. I think I, I was going to wait. And do mine a little bit closer to the actual uh, game where Tony becomes the all-time winner. But uh try not to duplicate what David did, but just tell my own story about Terry and, and Tony.
0: I look forward to that. And I'm sure a lot of people listening look forward to that as well. Um, uh being able to listen to it and 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 I'll encourage you. The editor in me says, write that story too. Um you you have some you have something no one else has, the last interview. Um and that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. And, I'm, so, and thanks to Jay James for finding that. Yeah, you mentioned that on the, the, the uh, show last week. So um, that's, that's great that he was able to find that and get that to you. So, um, Well, uh, Syracuse, Virginia, 5 o'clock tip, kind of a weird time tip for Saturday. Um, JerryRatcliffe.com and AugustaFreePress.com will, will, will all be there covering the game. Um, and look for uh, the pregame coverage. We'll get you ready for the game. And then, of course, the postgame uh jerry uh last thoughts and i know among your last thoughts we, we always like to thank the, the folks who helped make this possible
1: absolutely uh oh and i, I had a uh, well sometime uh tomorrow this we're doing this on thursday sometime tomorrow uh, or saturday i have another podcast with dr siobhan statuto one of our favorite doctors over from uva sports medicine and uh Talking about mental health aspects and how that uh, the demand for that has grown in her office. Uh, she's back from uh, she was uh, one of, I think, only two people selected to go to New Zealand and Australia and talk about sports mental health um, in those countries. And uh, she touches on that and the tragedy of UVA from November and how that's impacted not only student athletes, but. Um, staff and coaches and trainers and doctors and everybody else over there and just, uh, the whole mental aspect of, of athletics and, and our general life. So uh, you don't want to miss that. Uh, some really interesting stuff from, from her, um, she's very passionate about and, um, yeah, I want to thank our sponsors, the the good feet store and Aberdeen barn uv uva orthopedics and ragged mountain running shop uh go by and see those people if you have needs for their services or, or if you want a good steak or if you have any problem walking or uh, any discomfort walking running uh go see the good Feet people they've got solutions for you ragged mountain running uh got all the equipment you need and uh EVA ortho. If you have problems, they can fix them. And again, Aberdeen barn, uh, my goodness, they're, uh, I think Chris, you said you guys went by there the other night and tried to get in they were so jam packed. You didn't have a reservation. You couldn't even get in. So, yeah. uh, that just tells you what, what a great steakhouse it is. If you can't get in, man, it's, uh, uh, call for reservations and Angela will take care of you. Yeah, that's right. I need to get over there myself. I'm, I'm yearning a, a a good steak right now. So, uh, go by and see them.
0: Their steaks almost melt in your mouth. They're so good. They're just, they're incredible. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm, the more we talk about, it, I'm going to need one as well soon. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks to Jerry, of course. And thanks to the listeners out there. If you have any questions, uh, go to our website, you can email Jerry, email me directly, uh, questions, comments, uh, story ideas, that kind of thing. Look forward to talking to you again soon.
2: Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965, with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's Big Time Steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat screen televisions, Tune to the latest sporting events you never know who you might bump into at the aberdeen barn where all the greatest cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630
0: hi it's jonathan cotton with the good feet store as a lifelong runner the pain in my feet was debilitating finally i went into the good feet store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much I ran my first marathon that year. Then because I believed in the Goodfeet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the
1: opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Goodfeet store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com.
2: UVA Orthopedics and Sports Medicine boast one of the finest teams of doctors in the country and they're right here in Charlottesville to not only provide care for the University of Virginia athletic teams but also the Charlottesville and Central Virginia communities. UVA Orthopedics has been a proud sponsor of the Jerry Ratcliffe Show for the past two years with numerous team members featured in weekly segments where doctors share great insight into various sports injuries, what causes them, how to treat them and recovery time. Their team of experts are there for you and offer the best care to solve your health problems and get you back on your feet. Let their team of specialists get you back in the game.